Thank you, Gary. It's good to see you here today. Thank you for being with us. If you're visiting, as always, we invite you to come back. We're so grateful that you've chosen to be here today to honor us with your presence. We're very grateful for the many blessings that we enjoy, <clears throat> excuse me, in Christ. And we thank those who have joined hands with us recently. And if you're looking for a church home, as always, we invite you to come and be a part of the work here. We'd love to have you. I do want to very quickly make mention of the fact that the 29th of this month, we're going to begin airing on ABC, Channel 24, Anchor the Soul. And my understanding is it will have a potential viewing audience of about 1.2 million. And so we hope and pray that we can do some good through this program, and we appreciate the support that we've received in the past, and we're thankful for this opportunity, and hopefully and prayerfully we will be able to make inroads in the lives of people. So if you want to invite your friends and neighbors, the program will begin the 29th of this month at 10 a.m. on ABC Channel 24. Now listen today, we're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58, as we talk about the importance of living as steadfast saints. Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, in chapter 15, sets forth the importance of the resurrection. In a very emphatic way, the Apostle Paul identifies those who were eyewitnesses to the resurrection of Jesus. And the fact that Christianity stands or falls on the basis of whether or not Jesus was raised from the dead. So you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul in making his case and the importance of the resurrection to those of us who are followers of Christ. Paul would say that if the resurrection has not occurred, then our preaching is vain, our faith is vain, and we are still in sin. He goes on to say that if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. If the resurrection did not occur, Paul would say down in verse, 32, in verse 32, If the dead do not rise, he said, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. And yet Paul, in buttressing his arguments for the resurrection of Christ, points out, that just as Jesus was triumphant over the grave, that one day the sting of death will yield to the resurrected body. And Paul would tell us that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, but that this physical body, this corruptible, mortal body, will become an incorruptible immortal body. And we will live and reign with Christ throughout eternity. It's in light of that that down in verse 58, Paul would bring his defense of the resurrection to a close and simply say that in light of this great event and of the events that will occur regarding the resurrection, that we are to live a steadfast, immovable life in Christ Jesus. So today, let's just talk for a moment or two about what it means to be steadfast in Christ. In light of this exhortation, again, Paul said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, 
Paul is writing to Christians, those who belong to the church at Corinth. So first and foremost, as we look at this verse, I think it's important for us, individually, we need to see ourselves in this exhortation. In a personal way, I need to see myself in this exhortation. And that really brings up a couple of thoughts. Paul is writing to those who had identified with Christ, the one that had died and rose again. So let's just ask this question. Who were they? Who are we today? When we talk about being disciples of Jesus, what's that all about? You remember Luke in retracing the missionary endeavors of the Apostle Paul over in chapter 18 of the book of Acts. You remember the Bible tells us that Paul spent about 18 months in the city of Corinth. Corinth became a synonym for wickedness, immorality, idolatry. And the Bible tells us that while in that city he preached the gospel, Luke said many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. So here were people that had the opportunity to hear the gospel. Now how important is it for us to hear the truth of God? Well, you remember Paul said, Paul would write in Romans chapter 10, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. To the church at Corinth, Paul would say we're to walk by faith and not by sight. The life of a Christian is a life to be lived by faith as God directs through His Word. Now Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 at verse 2, in his address that they had been sanctified in Christ Jesus. He went on to say they were called saints. What does it mean to be sanctified in Christ Jesus? It means to be set apart. From what have they been set apart? From the world. You remember, for example, the Bible tells us that those who had obeyed the gospel in the city of Colossae, that they had been delivered out of the power of darkness and translated into the kingdom of God's dear Son. So they had been set apart from the world unto Almighty God. Well, when did that occur? When they obeyed the gospel. Now Paul, in writing to the church at Corinth, is writing to people who had at one time lived lives of immorality and idolatry. And so in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul would simply say that the unrighteous cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. He said they cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But then listen to what he said. But you were washed. That coincides with what Luke said, doesn't it? In Acts 18 and 8, many of the Corinthians hearing, believed, and were what? They were baptized. Why were they baptized into Christ? So that they might have their sins washed away. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 11, when Paul said, You were washed, you were sanctified or set apart. And then having been sanctified in Christ Jesus, they were identified 
as saints of the Most High God. Did you know that you're a saint? Many times we hear people say, well, you know, I'm no saint. If you've obeyed the gospel, you're a saint. You have been set apart from the world unto God. As a result of that, here's another thought. You now belong to God. Now we might ask the question, who are we? Secondly, we could ask the question, whose are we? Paul, writing to these people, said that they were bought with a price. And Paul would say, you're to glorify God in your body and spirit. Now listen to him. Which are God's. Did you know that when you obeyed the gospel of Christ, that God laid claim to you, body, soul, and spirit? It all belongs to Him. In Hebrews chapter 12, at verse 23, the writer speaks of the general assembly and church of the firstborn. Now the firstborn, under the old covenant, belonged to God. And the writer there is simply saying that as a child of God, we belong to Him. God owns us. We are a people for God's own possession. Now look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Peter, in writing to the saints in the first century, said you're an elect race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Geographically speaking, there are a lot of people in the world today, they think Palestine is still God's chosen land. Well, that's not the case. Rather, the kingdom of God Wherever you find a Christian, you find the kingdom of God on planet earth. Not bound by geography. But rather, as Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you and we are in the kingdom. We belong to Almighty God in that very special relationship. And that says to all of us that as a Christian, as a child of God, we are to live, number one, a distinct life. And number two, we are to live a different life. We're not to be like the world. Well, why? Because we belong to God. The world has no part in the life of a believer. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul would say that our citizenship is in heaven, whence we also wait for a Savior. He contrasted that with those who were minding earthly things. And you remember Jesus said we're not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth. But where? In heaven. Well, why? Because that's our goal, is to one day be in the presence of God, to be in the presence of the Christ, the Holy Spirit, and to be side by side with God's people. And there we will be for all of eternity. So that's a great blessing, isn't it? So number one, I need to see myself in this exhortation. Number two, I need to see the mandate in this exhortation. Now listen again. Paul said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. Well, what are you saying, Paul? Paul is telling Christians of all ages that we are to dig in and hold our ground. And why is that? Because the devil wants to break our faith. The devil is intent on busting our Christian life, breaking it. He wants us to yield to the pressures of the world, to conform to the world. Now you think about what Paul had to say about the devil. 
In Ephesians chapter 6 at verse 10, Paul would say, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God. Why, Paul? That you might be able to stand against the wiles, the schemes, the schematics of the devil. Does the devil use tactics? Yes, he does. Peter said he walks about as a roaring lion. Listen to him. Seeking whom he may devour. The devil's calling every day, knocking on our doorstep. Doing everything within his power to destroy us through trial and temptation. If we surrender, then we lose, don't we? And yet Paul is saying you need to be steadfast, immovable. You need to hold your ground. Matter of fact, in Ephesians chapter 4, Paul would say, neither give place to the devil. Don't allow him a foothold in your life. Well, how do you do that? You stay strong in the Word of God, don't you? Didn't the Apostle Paul teach in Ephesians 6 that we are to wield wield the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God? That sword is offensive and defensive in nature. He would also say that we are to take that shield of faith. Why? To quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. In your life, as you try to live the Christian life, you face adversity, trial. You ever get discouraged? Distressed? You ever ask the question, why me, Lord? You remember Jesus on one occasion said to Peter and the apostles that Satan had asked for them that he might sift them as wheat. But you remember what Jesus said? I prayed for you. And really, I think what Jesus was saying to Peter and the other disciples. Peter, you need to understand, you guys need to understand, the devil's getting ready to put you through the mill. If you don't understand that, you're not going to make it as a Christian. To realize that we live in a world that is subjected to trials and tribulations. As Job said many years ago, man born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. That's why we've got to be strong in the faith of Almighty God. Read about Hymenaeus and Alexander. You remember those guys? Paul, in writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1, said that they had made shipwreck of their faith. Their faith ran aground. 2 Timothy chapter 2, he talks about Hymenaeus and Philetus. He said, men who concerning the truth have erred teaching that the resurrection is already past. And what happened? He said, they're overthrowing the faith of some. Who was responsible for that? Well, the devil was. They were simply his agents to destroy the lives of God's people. When Paul wrote to Timothy in his final letter, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he identified a fellow by the name of Demas. And Paul said, Demas has forsaken me. Why? Having loved this present world. Now you can go back and read the prison epistles. Six years earlier, Demas had been identified as a fellow laborer of Paul. As a confidant, a companion, a comrade. And here's a fellow that at one time stood side by side, shoulder to shoulder with the Apostle Paul and other saints. But now... 
He has abandoned the way. For what? For the world. Is the world appealing, tantalizing? Doesn't the devil say, you know what, you need, you need the world in your life. I mean, you're not going to be satisfied. You're not going to enjoy what life is all about if you don't just dip your toe into the world and enjoy what she has to offer. Well, I know what Paul said. In Romans chapter 12, Paul said, we're not to be conformed unto the world. We're not to allow the world to pour us into its image. But rather, Paul would say we are to be transformed. By what means? By the renewing of the mind. So I want to ask you today, how's your mind? The battlefield of life. When we talk about Christian warfare, Christian warfare takes place on a battlefield that's about six inches wide, right up here. And so if your mind is not right, that's why Solomon said, guard your heart with all diligence. For out of it flow the issues of life. Listen to him in chapter 23, verse 7. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Whatever you're putting in will ultimately come out. That's why we've got to make sure that we're feeding on God's Word. That our diet consists of God's Word. We've got to be faithful to that Word, to His will. To be regular in our worship to Him so that we might build up our faith. And then to be involved in His great work. There have been a lot of casualties through the years when it comes to the church. Many of us have known folks that, quite frankly, have not been steadfast, haven't been immovable. In times of trial, in times of temptation, they've yielded. They've given up ground. And as Peter would say, they have forsaken the right way and gone astray. He goes on to say that after they, had, after they had embraced the Lord Jesus Christ, that is, through the truth of Almighty God, they fell away. And Peter would say the latter end is worse than the beginning. It would have been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after having known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. We can't afford to go back into the world. Why? Because the world's passing away. You hook your wagon to the world, I can tell you this, it's a sinking ship. You'll go down. And so what Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, in light of the resurrection, you need to be steadfast, immovable, unyielding in your faith. Now there's a third thing. That is, I believe that we need to see the mission in this exhortation. Paul said, therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable. Now listen to him. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Did you know that the church, the church is supposed to be a vineyard. Matter of fact, it's compared to a vineyard where people work. Christianity is a life that is to be composed or comprised of good works. That's what Paul said in Ephesians 2 verse 10 that we have been created in Christ Jesus, listen to him, 
unto good works. Well, what do you mean, Paul? He's saying that you have been saved, I've been saved to do what? Serve the Lord. My life is to be about faithful service in the kingdom of God. Who are you teaching? Who are you talking to about the Lord Jesus Christ? Who are you trying to encourage to come to Bible study and worship? Who are you trying to influence for good in your neighborhood, your family, at the office, school? Did you know that you're to be an influence for good wherever you go? So, who are you teaching? Are you living a Christian life so that when people see your life, they see Christ living in you? Is what people see in your life, is it conducive to Christianity or is it contradictory to Christianity? Remember when Jesus chided the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew 23? The reason was because, as He said, they say and do not. Well, what were they? They were hypocrites. Paul would say that we are to be an example to the believers in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12. Our life is to exemplify New Testament Christianity in this world. And one of the things that we do, we are busy and active in the kingdom of God. Paul said, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Who are you teaching? Who are you trying to encourage, assist? Paul would write in Galatians 6, 2, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Are there people that you know that need encouraging, built up in the faith? You know anybody that's had a tough time, been through a lot of trial, faced a lot of adversity in life? You can be a burden bearer in their life. You know anybody that could use a good meal? You know anybody that because of where they are and the limitations imposed upon them in terms of their physical and mental well-being, they could use a meal. You know anybody like that? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25? I was hungry and what did you do? Jesus said, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and what you He said, you gave me something to drink. He said, I was naked and you clothed me. A stranger, you took me in, sick and in prison. And He said, you visited me. In Titus chapter 2, Paul tells the church, or rather tells Timothy, Titus in the long ago, tells him that he is to be a pattern of good works. In chapter 2, verse 14, again, Paul would say to Titus, you need to be zealous for good works. Chapter 3, verse 1, Paul again writing to this brother on the Isle of Crete. Paul said, you need to be ready unto every good work. Are you sitting on go? Are you ready to go? When it comes to the gospel of Christ, I was thinking the other day when we had the opportunity to take on this new television work in the city of Memphis. It's expensive. But you know, Jesus said, go. The thought that occurred to me, now would you just think about this for a minute. Jesus said, go. 
Is it possible that providentially God put this opportunity before us? And if the answer is yes, are you willing to tell God no? You willing to do that? I'm not. I'm not willing to say no. So when it comes to abounding in the work of the Lord, to understand that we're all on equal footing, we all have responsibilities. Now very quickly, time's gone. I need to see in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verse 58, I need to see the motivation. What is it that would motivate me to serve God and to live a steadfast, immovable life in Christ Jesus? Paul said, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not vain in the Lord. Will God remember our work in the kingdom? Or will He remember that rather than having worked and served in the kingdom, we did nothing? Will He remember that? Well, sure He will. And what Paul is saying to the church is, look, you need to understand something. There is a tremendous payoff for living the Christian life. What is that? Well, Peter said we have an inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, facing on away. He said it's reserved in heaven for you. Did you know that the Hebrew writer said that God is not unrighteous? To forget your work, listen to him, and labor of love. Why do we do what we do? Why are we involved in the work of the kingdom? Why do we worship God regularly? Why spend time in His Word? Because we understand the payoff is great. The hope of heaven. Today I'd ask you, if you're a Christian, are you steadfast, immovable? Are you living the life of a steadfast saint? Or have you yielded ground back in the world? Life's not what it ought to be. Listen, the beauty of it is you can come home to God today. That fellowship can be restored if you'll, if you'll just turn back to the Lord. So I would encourage you, if you've drifted spiritually, come home. You know, John said, that, John said that if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you haven't obeyed the gospel of Christ, if you haven't done what they did 2,000 years ago in Corinth, well, what would you need to do? Same thing they did. We're not reinventing the wheel here. It's the same thing. What did they do? They believed in Christ, repented of their sins, confessed His name, were baptized into Christ, and God added them to the church, 1 Corinthians 12, 13. The exhortation, once you become a child of God, be faithful. So, what about you? Where do you stand spiritually? Whatever your need, please come as we stand and sing.